Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. All right, episode 12. In the sixth part of our fish series, we're looking at the eye of fish identity. We'll split this topic over two episodes. Hello, Father. Hi, daughter. Good to be here together again. Always. You know, people associate you with teaching and counseling and acrostics. What they might not know about you is that you're a storyteller. Yep. Yep. Uh, we, it's a lot of stories when you're little. <laughs> I grew up with elaborate bedtime stories. Princess Stefania of Wales and her adventures. We called them to be continued stories. Yeah. It gave me an excuse to end when I was tired. <laughs> exactly. You could just take it to any point in the story and be like, to be continued and yes. go to bed. Um, and then Ben was born, and yes. suddenly Stefania had a little brother named Sir Bop, and he got to join the adventures. Yes. And seriously, these these story times um, were some of the most formative parts of my whole life. I don't know if I would be a novelist without them. Like they're very formative and awesome. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, we uh, talked about Night of the Old Code, right? Mm-hmm. It was uh, those are fun. We had a lot of fun with those. My goal was always to get you to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the winding down for bed part just, wasn't working. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always loved your storytelling, and one of my favorites, which I suppose wasn't actually a bedtime story, but one that you liked to tell in sermons and such, was the story of the orphan who gains a new identity. Would you tell that story? Yeah, certainly. And I need to give a little credit here to Bob George. His book, Classic Christianity, he told a story um, that inspired this. And so I kind of picked up with that, that idea and ran with it and built it out a little bit. But the idea is if, imagine you're in uh, like a Charles Dickens kind of orphan, like Oliver Twist. I picture, you know, uh, uh, living on the streets of London, life's hard. So, you know, you get used to bending the law a little bit, you know, maybe shoplifting. And as a result, you learn how to stay away from the police. But then one day you find out that uh, the king has issued a an edict that if you're an orphan, you can go to the courthouse and get a pardon and the police will leave you alone. So uh, you're suspicious at first, right? Like, uh, that sounds like a trick to get me to go to the courthouse. <laughs> Or they're just going to arrest me. But you meet a few other orphans and they show you their pardon and they tell you the police have actually been leaving them alone. And they're like, well, you know, in a moment of desperation, one, you go down there and sure enough, they give you a pardon. You know, they, you can show that you're an orphan. You can show that you need this. And they say, yeah, you qualify. Here it is. So you leave there. You've got a pardon. You show it to a police officer. And sure enough, you're you're OK. So the question becomes. Is that any incentive to change the way that you live, right? If you can now, in a sense, sin, but you don't get in trouble for it anymore because you've been pardoned, then uh, is that uh, incentive to change the way you live? The answer is no. The problem here you might be able to see is that this is the way the gospel is often presented. Like, come to Jesus. He'll forgive you of all your sins. You get a free ticket to heaven. Congratulations. But that's only half the gospel. So the other half of the gospel is represented in the rest of the story, which is, uh, let's suppose then that the king, uh, a rumor starts spreading around your neighbor, the neighborhood that the king is coming. And sure enough, the uh, carriages roll in. He's got footmen and they come through your neighborhood. And they're calling your name. Now, I, you know, my, the way I think, I'm like, uh oh, that pardon wasn't good. I'm in trouble or something. I don't know. Uh, but 
they find you, they, uh, they bring you to the King. The first thing you're doing is looking at his face to read him, right? It's like, is he upset? Is he angry? Is he in it? But it turns out he's happy to see me. Now, is he happy to see me? He's like beaming to see me. I'm like, what in the world? You know, is, does he even know me? But here I am, I'm coming into the carriage and, uh, he says, Oh, sit here, sit here. I'm so glad they found you. He said, I just wanted to let you know, he said, I'm so sorry. You've, you know, you've lost your parents. He said, I actually knew them. And I just want you to know that uh, I've had paperwork drawn up and I am adopting you as my son. And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> right. You know, adoption, you know, into the royal family. And he pulls out the parchment and he shows it to you and it's sealed and it's all official. And he said, yeah, you're going to be my uh, you are uh, you are my my child. And the way this works is that my firstborn son is the heir of the kingdom. He's off fighting a war right now. When he is done, uh, we're all going to live in the palace together and there's going to, you're going to help rule the kingdom and it's, you know, you'll be a part of everything. In the meantime, I need you to kind of stay here and represent, right? Just represent the family, represent our interests here in in the neighborhood, but know that you are now a prince and, uh, or in your case, a princess, right? Yes. And the, uh, uh, so the question becomes, would that be any incentive to change the way you live, right? Mm-hmm. If a pardon isn't, would adoption be? And so I like the way Bob George presented this in his book, Classic Christianity, on the uh, the two halves of the gospel. And that has always kind of stuck with me. And so that's the that's the story. But we, I add an element to it, uh, which would be, so imagine that uh, one day as you're walking down the street, you hear a voice out of the shadows going, who are you kidding? Right? Who do you think you are? I know who you really are. You're no prince, right? You're nothing but a street rat. You know, you're nothing. You're Aladdin, right? You're nothing but the. <laughs> and uh, we had to get our Disney reference yeah. in, right? Yeah. yeah I know. So it's like you know, you. I know who you really are. Who are you kidding? And at that point, I could. So yeah, he's right. Who am I trying to fool? I you know. And I think of it this way: it's like as a Christian, I'm like, I'm no saint. Who am I trying to kid? I'm, I. I'm just a worthless person. I'm no good. Nothing's really changed. And so if I'm not careful, he could get in my head and I could, even though I am a prince, even though I am a part of the God's family, even though I have been forgiven, even all of these things are true, I could live as if they're not. Doesn't make them untrue, but I could live as if they're not so that they don't have any functional benefit to me in the way that I live my life. Or... (laughs) I could say, hey, you there in the shadows, step out here a minute, right? Oh, I know you. I remember you. And said, yeah, you're right. I, I, that's, you know, I'm not perfect. And there's a part of my life that I'm not proud of, but I am now a prince. And if you talk to me like that again, I will <laughs> let the palace know about you and you will be in big trouble. So I advise you leave me alone, All right? Call them out. Say, no, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to stand on. This is going to be the foundation of the way I live. Yeah, because I think the uh, the devil, if he can't keep you from becoming a Christian and getting this identity, uh, wants to rob you of that identity. Because the next best thing is to keep you from uh, experiencing the full benefit of it. And so that's the point of the story. Yeah, and I love it. I love it every time you tell it. Um, you, you, we we talked, I think, last episode about new covenant and what that is. Do you want to give just a quick a quick definition for? a refresh of what it means to be a new covenant. Yeah. So the, you know, when we die and go to, go to heaven, we got to stand on trial before God. 
and he opens up the book of all of our deeds. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking here, he's got two options, right? And that is, he will either evaluate those deeds through the old covenant or through the new covenant. Well, the old covenant is law. So the only thing the old covenant can do is say, well, yeah, he's guilty. And I know that there are atonement, you know, sacrifices in the old covenant, but the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. So that covenant in and of itself leaves me guilty. So I want God to use the new covenant, which is the covenant of grace, which says, well, I, all of the, your deeds are now going to be viewed through the, uh, the lens of the new covenant, which says Christ paid the penalty for all of this stuff. Christ has redeemed you from all of this. And now, you know, you know the blessings that are yours in Christ come through that. So the new covenant idea is that the old covenant came through Moses, new covenant comes through Christ. So when Paul writes in the New New Testament that uh, I am in Christ, and because I am in Christ, I have these blessings, you can think of those as like terms of the covenant. Like if something is true of me in Christ, you could read that as under the new covenant, this is true. So if I am in Christ, I am adopted, then that means a term of the new covenant right? Under the new covenant, I am adopted. Or in Christ, I am a saint. That means under the new covenant, I'm a saint. And, you know, in Christ, I'm pardoned. So all of those things, you know, uh, play out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to look more at this new covenant identity that we remember through your acrostic pact, P-A-C-T. I think we've talked about this briefly before when we talked about um, extending the bridge diagram. And when, once yeah. you get across the bridge, the angelic lawyer hands you the paper and, you know, so, but um, do you want to give an overview of pact? Yeah. So hopefully pact, you can associate with covenant, right? A pact mm-hmm. and a covenant go together. And so the idea is the new covenant can be remembered with pact. Now, again, a tip of the hat to Neil Anderson here that he has uh, done a wonderful job of, of kind of collating all of the references in the New Testament that have in Christ in them. Uh, and I think there's over 30 of them that he has on there. Uh, this is all true of me in Christ. Problem is I couldn't remember all 30 of them, at least not quickly or easily. And so I thought I need a, a way to explain this quickly to people. What is it, the essentials of who I am in Christ? And uh, that's where pact came from. So it was the idea of I, in Christ, I'm pardoned. So that's the first half of the gospel. It has to do with justification, with redemption, with purification, you know, with sanctification, all those things that are uh, that have part of God dealing with my sin. Okay, so that's pardon. Then A is adoption, and those are the you know what we talked about in the story. I am now a member of the royal family. It's changed my identity. And my identity is now based in who I am in Christ. And that means that because I've been adopted in the family, I'm now a co-heir with Christ. It means that there's authority. It means that I have access, right? A lot of things change because of my adoption. And then the C is citizenship. And this idea that I'm now a kingdom citizen, which means I'm not of this world, right? I'm a stranger here. I'm a, a foreigner here. Uh, I and it, for me, this really helps because I often think of discipleship as changing cultures. And so that what I'm doing with uh, discipleship is as I've moved from culture A to culture B, now I got to learn how do you think and act, right? What are the values of culture B? So I've moved from being a citizen of the world, but now I've got and now I'm a citizen of the kingdom. So I need to learn the worldview of the kingdom. I need to learn the values of the kingdom. I got to learn how do we do th- how do we kingdom people do things. And so uh, my citizen, my kingdom identity is huge. So as a citizen of the kingdom, all of that changes. 
And that's the uh, the C. And then the T is is that I have a new title, right? And so I sometimes picture it as take a knee, you know, W on you know each each shoulder, um, but that title is saint. And uh, so we often point out that Paul didn't write to even like let's say the Church of Corinth, which was known for its immaturity and having a lot of uh, issues. He did not write this to you sinners at the Church of Corinth. I write. He wrote to you who are sanctified, to you saints at Corinth. I write. And what that helps us understand is that my new title, Saint, is who I am. Now that I am a saint, I want to live like it, as opposed to, you know, if I'm good enough someday, I'm hoping I will earn the title Saint. So uh, we look at this and say, all right, as a Christian, I am pardoned, I am adopted, I'm a citizen of the kingdom, and I'm a saint. And that gives us uh, the pact or the four essential, what I think are the most essential elements of who I am in Christ. Hmm. That's so good. I want to stay on title and then I want to go back to adoption briefly, but um, I love how you, you flesh out the parallels between the process by which Aaron and his sons were made priests in Leviticus 8 and the way Christians are sanctified as God's people in Christ. Um, I would, I would love for you to. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, really interesting. You know, it's always struck me that Aaron was, uh, did not earn the high priesthood through his good behavior. Right, because you think about it, the thing Aaron is best known for <laughs> is the golden calf. Right, so you're thinking, well, if he first of all did not earn the priesthood; it was given to him as a gift. So there's a parallel right there. But then you look at what he he does, and it, it walks through that he is first of all uh, cleansed with water. Well, that's clear parallel to baptism. He is uh, sprinkled with blood, just like we are sprinkled with the blood of the new covenant. He is anointed with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's anointed with oil, just like we're anointed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's given new clothes to wear. So it's like we put on Christ. He has put on these new garments. And he is commissioned to a new calling. He's given, you know, uh, this is... This is a the calling you receive. So Paul tells us, I urge you as a prisoner for the Lord, live a life worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And I, I look at this that that Aaron was made a priest, it changed his identity. And now on the basis of that new identity, he was expected to live a certain way. So in the same way, we are given a new identity in Christ. It follows all of the same patterns that went into to becoming a priest. We didn't earn it, it was given to us. And now it's um, really expected of us to live a life worthy of that. And if we we don't, then we confess and we move on, just like the priest every year had to offer a sacrifice for his own sins before he uh, offered sacrifice for the people. So, you know, we confess our sins and Jesus is faithful and just to forgive those sins. So I love the parallels there with the priest because um, it reminds me that my identity in Christ is something given to me. And that God planned this out from the very beginning. This is what he always wanted for me. Very cool. Let's jump back to adoption now. Um, I really, I think it's very profound. Um, I've heard you teach this before. And in your uh, book, A Deeper Walk, such a good book, um, you talk about the like authority, accountability, affirmation, acceptance, and, and that ladder that so often we flip. Could you... Yeah, I actually got this from my dad. I remember he would taught this regularly when people would come to him for, uh, you know, pastoral counseling kind of situations. And he would write these A words in a list on a piece of paper. And it started with, a, you know, authority. God is the authority. Therefore, then he'd write the word accountability. Therefore, we are accountable to God to do what he tells us to do. 
if we do a good job of being accountable to his authority, he will affirm us. And so they wrote down, he'd write affirmation is the third word. And he said, and if we are do a good job of being accountable to his authority and he affirms us, then he will accept us. And so the idea was that I'm constantly trying to earn God's acceptance. And he said, what if I told you that is backwards? Because most people are nodding their heads like, yeah, he's the authority. I'm accountable to his authority. He'll affirm me if I'm going to do a good job of that. And then maybe that will lead to my acceptance. And so, the, you know, for me personally, I could identify with that. I was like, I never knew where I stood with God. Am I good? You know, have I been good enough? And he would take this and flip this. He said, that is law. Law follows that. Right? Authority leads to affirmation, leads to, leads to accountability, leads to affirmation, leads to acceptance. He said, grace flips them. So grace says you are accepted, right? We are accepted in you know in the beloved Son, and it's because I am in Christ I am accepted. He said, now that I am accepted, He affirms my worth, He affirms my value, He affirms who I am. He says, you know, this is this is how I see you, and then He says, now I'm asking you to be accountable to my authority because these things are true. So all of them are still there, but it's so huge to flip that. And, uh, you know, my dad would tell me stories of, you know, sharing that with people who literally started crying because they realized their whole lives, they'd been trying to earn something from God that he'd already given them. Mm -hmm. Wow. So in this episode, we focused on the scriptural new covenant identity of those who are in Christ. And next episode, we'll look at the brain's perspective and the relationship between identity and maturity and attachment and all that. For this episode, do you have any concluding thoughts you would like to leave us with? Well, you know, identity is such a big, big thing because it has to do with acceptance. And we talk about the ability to have a fear bond with God or a joy bond with God. And I think that a lot of what determines whether I have a fear bond with God or a joy bond with God comes back to my identity and my sense of where do I stand with God? Is he happy to see me? And so I'm finding if I want to live a victorious Christian life, I, it starts with having a God who's happy to see me. And that's the beauty of grace. It's the beauty of our identity in Christ is that I know that even when I have messed up and I come to God with that, he is like smiling and thinking, I'm so glad that, you know, he's bringing this to me right now. He's not going, oh, gosh, he's done this again. Um, I, why do I? Yeah, because I think a lot of people have the feeling that that God has to forgive us because he sort of agreed to it, but it doesn't mean he likes us. And this is really the kind of the corrective of that. Like, no, he's actually happy to see us even when we mess up because he knows that he is exactly who we need right now. Yeah. He knows we can't do it by ourselves. Yeah. He doesn't want us to try. Right. <laughs> he wants us to come yeah. to him. This idea of go clean yourself up and come back when you're ready is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember people saying, you know, if I ever set foot in a church, lightning would probably strike. And they have this idea that they got to clean themselves up before they come to God. But the reality is that I come to God because I can't clean myself up. I need him to do this. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us on the trail today. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the Deeper Walk podcast and share with your friends. You can find out more at our website, deeperwalkinternational.org. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.